0: This week, we are going to be talking about part two of how to have smart communication in your relationships. Now, if you have not listened to smart communication in your relationships, part one, be sure to go and do that now. It'll be the podcast right before or after this, depending on how your podcast player is set up. But we are going to just be building this week off of what we already talked about last week. So listen to that one first, then come back. And come to this one. I look forward to diving into the last part of smart communication with you in today's episode. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as, as insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of how you can assess your and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in, and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Last week, we covered the first three letters in the acronym SMART of SMART communication, remembering that SMART communication is the best way to communicate in any of the relationships that you have in your life, especially the ones that are very important to you. Think here, partner, significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, child, parent, sister, brother neighbor, whoever it might be, any relationship that is of importance to you, even in the career world, boss, employee, peers that you work alongside, these tactics that I am teaching you in these two episodes are the way to communicate in your life. We're going to do a quick recap of what we talked about last week just to get you up to speed. But since you already did your homework and are ready, we're simply going to be doing it as a reminder and not as a teaching. So as we go through this, let's remember the SMART stands for S, stop pushing people to do what you want them to do and start softening. M, manage your expectations of others and the situation that is at hand and make sure that you communicate clearly. A, approach others with kindness and respect without attacking them and allow the other person to share their point of view. All of these are of utmost importance when it comes to communication. And if you really think about the way that this is even laid out, you'll see that it follows a series of events. Because the first part of the acronym SMART, the S and the M, both have to do with what goes on in your mind before anything ever comes out of your mouth. So you have to realize within yourself if you are about to say something that is going to come across as pushy or as harsh before it ever comes out of your mouth, which is stop pushing people to do what you want them to do and start softening. That has to happen mentally before it happens physically. You have to filter yourself and put things in a different light or position it differently so that you don't have a harsh start up in your conversations. I understand that many of us, when we are angry or hurt or feel ignored, whatever the negative emotion may be then our initial reaction is we want to start with exactly what we're thinking. We want to attack, essentially, the other person with the way that we have felt attacked ourselves. Sometimes this looks like, exactly what were you thinking when you did not call me back? How in the world did you think it would be okay to try and hide your phone from me? What Were you expecting to happen when you came home late and didn't tell me that you weren't going to be here? Whatever the situation is or whatever it may be, you can tell just by my tone of voice and what I said that these startups are harsh. And if someone were to approach you with that same opening line, what would your first reaction be? No, I didn't no, you don't. You're not going to talk to me that way. The first reaction is defensiveness because we want to protect ourselves. So we need to realize that while we want to be justified to say whatever we want to say and exactly how we feel to the person who has done something to hurt us, if our end goal is to create a stronger and safer relationship, then we need to make sure that we remember that before we ever utter the first word out of our mouth. And we need to think of how we can soften and instead approach the subject in a way that leads to conversation and connection, where both people can feel safe as opposed to feeling attacked. Remember, then that you go into managing your expectations, which again happens mentally before you even address it out loud, because you have to ask yourself, am I being too harsh on this person? This is something that gets a little bit different when we're talking about children versus people your own age. So peers, your spouse, people you work with, friends, all of that. It's different because There is a level of wanting your kids to obey you. So there's a level of obedience that you're teaching your child that's going to come across differently in your expectations towards them than it is hopefully towards your spouse or your friends, because you are not supposed to be the parent of your spouse. You are not supposed to be the parent of your boyfriend or girlfriend or your best friend or your sister. And so if your expectations are coming across as you trying to mother or father these other people in your relationships, it is not going to go well. Manage those expectations and make sure you communicate clearly. I cannot emphasize this enough that just because you think you have communicated clearly that does not mean you have actually communicated clearly. And I know this is frustrating because you're probably thinking, then how am I supposed to communicate clearly if I think that I've done it, but I actually haven't? Let me just let you in on a little something. Have any of you ever been to the doctor? And the doctor starts telling you, all of the medical reasons behind maybe why you're feeling depressed or why you can't lose weight or whatever it might be. And they start using words like hypothalamus and endocrine and just words that you don't even know what he's talking about or know what she's talking about. You're thinking, can you please use plain English? right? Or maybe you're watching the news and you see medical experts or whoever it might be, politicians, and they're saying things and you're thinking, I have no idea what that person is saying. It's called the curse of knowledge. The more that someone knows about Their field of expertise in these situations, then the more difficult it is for that person to actually communicate what they're saying in a clear manner because they are taking for granted the bridge, the space between what they know and what the other people know, what they know and what the general public knows, what your doctor knows and what you know as the patient. The doctor can take for granted that there is a huge gap in the knowledge that the two of you have, but it's the same for you. You can take for granted that there is a huge gap between you and your spouse or between you and your best friend. You understand things differently than they do. You both could read the same article and have two completely different takeaways because you comprehended it two totally different ways. You have probably seen this or remember this from childhood when you played the game telephone. You would listen to a phrase, the same phrase other people would hear, and you would take it a completely different way or hear Uh, one part of it even just a little different, which was enough to mix the message so that it wasn't the same message. It wasn't clear by the time it went around the whole circle. It is the same in our relationships. So while you may believe you're communicating clearly, you must also realize, even if it's just realizing, that the other person has a high propensity to not understand it the way you intended it to come across. They might interpret a word differently. They might take the tone of voice to mean that you were coming across differently than you were actually intending to come across. There are so many things when we deliver messages, when we speak and the other person is interpreting them, that can be left up to a mix-up of communication, even when we are looking them in the eye in person and saying very clear words to them. So that's not to frustrate you, but it is instead to let you know to be aware of this. And while I don't believe you can ever conquer this. I don't think you can ever actually communicate perfectly clear in every conversation, in every situation with every person in your life. I believe that is impossible. I do believe that the more aware you are of this one fact, the more likely you are to ask follow-up questions or at least have grace towards the person when they say, can you say it differently or I don't understand or I didn't understand what you meant when you said it. An example of this is last week, my husband and I misunderstood each other gravely. What happened was we were on a Zoom Bible study with some other family all around the country. And at the end of it, I asked a question, will we be finishing this chapter next week? So what I meant by that was, Are we going to talk about the last couple of verses next week? Because what we typically do is read some verses, talk about some of those points in them, and then carry on. Well, in the particular chapter we were in, we didn't finish talking about all the verses, but at the beginning of the study, we had read the entire chapter. So I asked, Are we going to be finishing talking about this chapter next week? My husband answered, we already did. I'm thinking, well, and I said, no, we didn't. He responded, yes, we did. I responded, no, we didn't. He responded, yes, we did. You guys, I kid you not, this happened in front of God and everyone for probably a good solid 25 seconds to where each of us continued to dig our heels further into the ground Because I knew what I was trying to say, but he knew the question that he thought he was answering. Now, you may say, no, Kimberly, you were wrong. You didn't communicate that clearly enough. People could have been, everyone is confused. I'm confused. Like, clearly, you didn't communicate that well. And I'm willing to accept that. But understand that because in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to know if we're going to finish talking about this next week. And then the words that came out of my mouth were, are we going to finish this next week? I have the curse of knowledge because I know what I'm thinking in my head, and I assume everyone else is going to follow what I'm saying. Clearly, that didn't happen. (laughs) My husband, who I've shared before, is the logical, fact-based, rule-follower person, heard, are we going to finish the chapter next week? And interpreted it as, reading it, which he knows we already did. Therefore, he's informing me we have done this. (laughs) This is how messages get mixed up. And while this is a silly example, what I will tell you is this is the exact same things that happen in much more serious conversations that we have in our life. If you're explaining what your needs are, or how you wish you had more intimacy in your relationship, or your expectations of another person, or boundaries you're trying to set. You may be thinking you're communicating something very clearly, and the other person, because of whatever reason, the curse of knowledge, the tone, whatever it is, there's a breakdown in the communication. I cannot overemphasize this point clearly enough, but the point is not to try and communicate better. That's part of it. But the bigger point that I hope you take away from this is to even soften in how you expect people to interpret you. When you realize that there is this breakdown there, what I hope it does for you is lead you to be less critical, less judgmental, less harsh, and instead invite more conversation and ask more questions in the conversations that you're having. Now, we've got to get to the last two letters. I'm sorry. I'm spending a little more time going back over some of these aspects we talked about last week because they became clear to me in my life this week of how important some of these were. So remember the M. Make sure you communicate clearly and manage your expectations of others. The A is approach others with kindness and respect without attacking and allow the other person to share their point of view, which leads us to the R remember to listen. As the other person is sharing their point of view, listen. So many times I would guarantee you the majority of the time that you are listening to other people, you are already forming your response while they're still talking. You're already building the argument in your head while they're not even done speaking yet you can't wait for them to stop because you got something to say but that is not what leads to healthy conversation or long-term strong relationships because you're not fully listening when you're thinking it's listening to listen versus listening to respond and i remember learning this at, as i was getting my masters in marriage and family therapy and we were inundated with this message, as a counselor, we have to listen. That is what counselors are trained to do. First and foremost, listen. If you're thinking of how you're going to respond to your client while they're still talking, you are not listening. That means that it's okay for there to be silence when someone is done talking. And the same applies to you. If you are doing this right and doing it well, then when your spouse or child or best friend stops talking, then you take a couple of seconds to process and then form your response. You don't have to have the perfect response from the get-go as soon as they take their last period on the end of their sentence. You simply need to listen. Take the expectation off yourself that you have to have an answer, or you have to have a comeback, or you have to have a solution, or you have to have any kind of response. Number one, you don't. But number two, it's okay to take the time to process that. And you may just need to say that out loud. I was listening to what you were saying. Give me a minute to think about it and respond. They'll know you were listening. It's better to take the time to think about it before you respond than to respond in haste and say something that you regret. So remember to listen, but also remind yourself that you are on the same team. Starting several years into our marriage, I started saying to myself in the middle of having a disagreement with my husband, I would remind myself we are on the same team. I am on his team. He is on my team. He is not my enemy. He is not the one I'm fighting against. We're on the same team. And after saying that to myself for a couple of years, I began saying it to him in the middle of our disagreements, when they would become so convoluted, so frustrating that clearly we weren't going to come to any kind of compromise or solution soon, then I would say, Remember, we're on the same team. I'm on your team. I am on your side. I am not here to fight against you. How often is it, though, especially with our loved ones, that in our minds, they really do become our enemies. We really do start thinking that they're the ones that we're fighting against. Friends, your spouse, your children, your parents, your in-laws, your sister, they are not the people you are fighting against. I know that it feels like it. And you might even be sitting there thinking, you sound crazy. Of course they are. If we're in the middle of a disagreement, then they are the one that I'm fighting against. With my beliefs, I believe there is a much larger force at play that wants to rip apart family and friendships. And I believe that is the instigator of deceit, of hurt, of lies, and of disagreements. There's something bigger you're fighting against. You're fighting against those who don't want your relationship to work out. You're fighting against the message in your culture. You're fighting against all of those negative self-talk that you have in your head. You're fighting against your childhood experiences, your spouse's childhood experiences. You're fighting against social media. You're fighting against everything that's distracting your family from being together. But you're not fighting against your family. You're fighting for your family. Your spouse is not your enemy. You're on the same team. Even when it feels like these people in your life are acting just like your enemy. (laughs) Remember, you're on the same team. Remind yourself what your end goal is. To have a better communication and to have a stronger relationship. Once you realize that, it changes the way you think about your spouse or your child or your parent or your brother. And when you begin to see someone differently, you actually begin to treat that person differently. It's the self fulfilling prophecy behavior. If I believe something is true, I'm going to act like that's true. If I believe I'm lazy, I'm going to act lazy. If I believe that I'm successful, I'm going to act more successful. If I believe my husband is a jerk, I'm going to treat him like he's a jerk. We actually, it was fascinating. Harvard Business School did a study several years ago where they went into an elementary school and they told the teachers that they were going to test all of these kids to see which ones had the most propensity for brilliance. So they went in, they tested hundreds of kids, they sent back results and they said, here are the top 20 children who had uncanny scores. They have just brilliance beyond belief, many of which had been low achieving students. That list that the Harvard Business School researchers sent the teachers was completely random. But for the next several years, those teachers began to look at those students differently. And those students excelled and outperformed every other student in their grades for years to come, all because of the story that the teacher told themselves about those students. You're telling yourself a story about the people in your life. How is that story affecting the way that you're treating them? Which leads us to the T tackle the core issues as a team. Now that you know you're a team with these people, learn how to identify what the core issues of your conversation really are and then work together to overcome those. So often we feel like we are having a conversation about one thing when it's actually something way deeper. It's The silly example I've given many times of if a husband continues to not put his towel in the hamper and just leaves it on the bathroom floor, and the wife continues to ask him to do so, to put it in the hamper and not leave it on the bathroom floor, and this continues to happen and they start fighting over a towel, and you're thinking, how ridiculous is it for them to fight over a towel? They're not fighting over a towel. They're fighting over something deeper, They're fighting over the fact that the wife feels completely unheard and disrespected. That's what her core issue is. His core issue might be that he had a mother that was domineering, and whenever his wife asks him to do that, he feels like she's nagging him, and therefore he wants to rebel against it. As an example, there's always a deeper core issue. Take the time to find what that is and tackle That together as a team, not against each other, but with each other. Remembering that it's also smart to take time to take a break. These conversations that we have when we run into obstacles or hurt feelings or resentment or issues that come up, it's okay to take a break from it and come back later. The communication problems that we have in our relationships didn't happen overnight and they're not going to be solved overnight either. It takes time. It takes intentionality and it takes making it a priority to do so. So if you're going to take a break, at least decide how you can come back and continue to talk about it with each other later. But remember that taking a break is okay, especially in a disagreement. Now, some people are very against taking any kind of break because they don't believe that the person is going to come back and actually finish the conversation. But if you can set a precedent of doing this and set rules of engagement, asking the person to commit to come back and talk to it later, especially if you promise to make it a safe place, then that will more more times than not lead to better, more productive conversations than ever before. And the final part of the T is to always thank the other person for sharing. When they are sharing their point of view, stories of their past that have led them to feel certain ways or whatever it might be, thank the person for sharing it with you. It can be very difficult to go back and relive hurtful things, even if they don't seem hurtful or stressful to you as the person hearing it. It could very well be hurtful or stressful for the person sharing it with you. But more than that, it builds a foundation of healthy communication. When you thank someone for telling you something, they feel safe to do it again. And you want to reward the behavior that you want repeated. So when you reward and thank a person sharing things with you, it's more likely to re- be repeated again in the future. So as a final reminder, and then I have a final warning for you after this, smart communication and relationships looks like stop pushing people to do what you want them to do and start softening. Manage your expectations of others and the situation and make sure you communicate clearly Approach others with kindness and respect without attacking and allow the other person to share their perspective. Remember to listen, not to respond, and remind yourself that you're on the same team. Tackle those core issues that you come to together as a team and take a break and come back later if you need to, while also always thanking the other person for sharing when they open up to you. This is a process for smart communication in every relationship in your life. But I have a strong warning to end you with as we end this episode. You are taking the time right now to learn these principles and hopefully you're doing more than that. You're beginning to implement these things in your life, realizing it's going to take trial and error. The other people in your life are probably not listening to this podcast right now. Share it with them if it is something you believe is of value and it wouldn't come across as being pushy. But if you have a best friend or if you and your spouse are in a great relationship and you say I want to make our communication better, take a listen to this podcast. These are some ways to do it then. I love when you share my podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. I it means the world to me and you will never know how much I appreciate it. But remember that you are learning it and they aren't. So don't start judging the conversations in your life based on what you're doing and others aren't when they are unaware right now. So it could be very easy for you to maybe have a conversation later with your husband or your wife and you realize that they are not starting soft, they are beginning with a harsh startup, they're trying to push you to do something you don't want to do. And you may be more likely to be resentful or defensive towards that now that you're aware that that's not healthy for communication. But instead, what I would encourage you to do is to mentally make note of, hmm, this is a great opportunity for me to practice what I am learning. Without preaching it towards this person, without pushing it, but instead to respond in a way that is calm and gentle. So, even if the people in your life have high expectations that they communicate, or they don't communicate clearly with you, or you feel like they attack you when you're having a conversation, that gives you an opportunity to strengthen your communication muscles by responding in the way you know you need to. Those behavior patterns that you begin to emulate that you begin to show will eventually rub off on the other person now i'm not saying you only do this so that people other people begin doing it you do it because it's the best way to communicate with other people but people will begin to notice a change in you and it will begin to change the cycle of the communication that you're having in the other relationships Ideally, there would come a time with your spouse or your teenage son or your best friend to where you could share some of these principles in a time where you're doing something where you're in a relaxed state. You're both in a good mood and you say, hey, so there's some things that I've learned about how to communicate better in relationships. Would you mind if I share them with you? And then maybe just focus on a couple at a time and use it then as a way to connect and communicate with the people around you. And it's even better if you can have specific examples of how you have messed it up in other relationships and conversations that you've had, and maybe even point out ways that in the relationship that you're having the conversation with the person about, maybe it's you know, with your teenage son, you did this really well the other day. When you came to me, you didn't have any kind of harsh startup. You started soft. You weren't pushing me to do this, even though I knew you wanted to take my car to the football game. You did that so well. And if your relationship is in a good spot, then you could even use examples of how it didn't go well in that specific relationship in the past. I would encourage you to not use issues or conversations that you know are going to be highly emotional and evocative because not the time to do it. You don't want to try and come across as an expert on items that have high emotional value to them because the other person will more than likely get defensive, shut you down, shut you out, and not want to hear what you have to say. So all of that to say, remember You have learned how to do this and are learning. You're not going to be a master from conversation number one after this, but these are principles that you are constantly, every single day, going to have to come back to and make the choice of how you're going to react in the conversation. Choose wisely. So here are my three key pies takeaways from today's episode. The first one is remember that you are not Fighting your spouse, your son, your daughter, your brother, whoever it is, they are not your enemy. I cannot emphasize enough that the story that you are telling yourself about the people in your life will impact the way that you treat them and talk to them. So make sure that you're telling yourself the right story. The second key pies takeaway I have is that same story applies to you. You will only treat yourself the way that you believe you deserve to be treated. So what is the story that you are telling yourself about you and how does it need to change? Because if you are telling yourself that you're always going to be angry, you're never going to forgive this situation, you're always going to be the kind of person who flies off the handle and just says whatever she thinks or he thinks without thinking about how it affects other people, or you're never going to be the person to stand up for how you really feel, whatever those things are, it's going to impact how you act and how you have the conversations in your life for good or for bad for better or for worse. So be sure that you are telling yourself that you can listen. You can be strong and calm and gentle. You can forgive things that have happened. You do want to have better and stronger communication in the relationships in your life. And you are committed to making a difference in the way that you behave and act in order to do so. And the third key pie's takeaway is to not judge other people based on what they don't know. Instead, use the opportunity to live what you have learned and practice what you have preached before you even open your mouth to try and tell someone else what they should be doing. Because what your actions show will always speak louder than your words. Go get your free attraction assessment at itstartswithattraction.com. In this assessment, you will be able to self-assess yourself in all four areas of attraction to see the areas in which you could use the most growth and to identify the areas that you are already slaying it. Go get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well.